What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Report's college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller, joined again in Mobile, Alabama, as you're listening to this on a wonderful Wednesday morning. Uh, Connor in the middle, which is throwing me off. Mellow out on the edge, like Jalen Ferguson rushing out there. Daddy. Guys, we have a great show. I'm super excited because... Houston head coach Dana Holgerson came by the Bleacher Report suite that we have set up here at the Senior Bowl and hung out with us for about 20 minutes in the box, and we turned the mics on. It's actually a pretty cool dude. Really cool. Really cool. Yeah. I mean, you hand the man a sugar-free Red Bull, and <laughs> he'll just go off. I believe it's like, It was wild. His eyes said, let's fucking go. Yeah. When he cracked that sugar-free no, Red Bull. No, I think he actually <laughs> verbally said, said that, like, With his mouth said, yeah. Yeah. let's fucking go. But we're here for Senior Bowl. Uh, in between doing our live shows at Draft Picks Taproom, which we're doing tonight, Wednesday night, it's 7.30, come out. We had a blast on Monday night. Uh, no Instagram lives were recorded of me on like the, a golf cart, so For I think better. it went well. But uh, come out, get, have some drinks with us. We'll give some T-shirts and stickers and koozies and wristbands away, uh, and you can get yourself on the podcast. So we're doing that uh, Wednesday night. But let's talk about what we saw from day one at practice. I think that's what everyone like kind of wants to know. And I, I will just – I'll apologize on here, and you guys can back me up on this. It is so hard to like live tweet my thoughts during practice because we get pulled in a million different directions. So not making an excuse, but an apology. Because I know people wanted to see more tweets from us and stuff today, but it it is difficult to do that. And I also don't want to do the instant reaction like Daniel Jones throws one bad ball and we like, oh, kill a strike. Or people don't see Will Greer at media day, so they put out reports that he wasn't there when he actually was. So, I mean, like, I just don't want to do microwave society analysis. No, without a doubt. And if you put your head down to tweet something, you miss the next three plays. So, I think that was the biggest thing. So, I mean, if you want Senior Bowl as much winners and everything we can give you, come to the podcast because that's what we're going to yep. talk about for this next hour. And I thought it was a pretty exciting day. Obviously, two really, really good head coaches here, Kyle Shanahan and John Gruden. I thought John Gruden ran a much more exciting practice which was a lot of fun. So uh, not a really slow day one. I do think there are a lot of players that jumped yeah. out. Yeah, and I actually thought the 49ers practice uh, was a little lackadaisical compared to what the Raiders did. And I Raiders did not expect that. I thought the Raiders would come out and John Gruden would be like, man, forget this. But you know what? John Gruden has three first-round picks, four in the top 35. He, needs, some of to, might be he here. needs to hit yeah. this. So I thought they did a good job. They jumped around. Like you said, we're going to talk about winners and losers in a moment. But some news and notes from the day. Uh, unfortunately, we have to start off with some bad news. Jalen Hurd, wide receiver for Baylor. You guys might remember he was the running back at Tennessee ahead of Alvin Kamara. When he went to Baylor, converted to receiver. He's 6'4", 225, a fantastic athlete. He has an injury. He's not participating. And our guy, Jonathan Abram, who we talked about on the Monday night show, we missed this as we were traveling. He failed the physical here with a shoulder injury, so he's not participating. I hate to see Man, a shoulder injury, I know I've said before, if you're a safety or a linebacker and you got shoulder injury, like I'm already afraid. Yeah, yeah. and the way he plays, it's just, you I see it, physical. it's going to happen. Uh, so hopefully he can get that treatment and it's not anything too major. But failing the physical, not being able to participate. We were talking about him as safety one when we did this podcast the other day. So it's going to hurt him a little bit physically uh, yeah. and in the draft stock. And I think it's a shame because I think he's a guy that was really vocal about wanting to be here. So, you know, he probably would have interviewed really well a guy in practice that probably would have taken control of the back end of the defense. So kind of a shame there. Hopefully he gets better. It can be full go for the combine. Yeah, absolutely. How about Jalen Hurd, though? This dude is like almost six foot five inches tall, and he played running back for two years. That is ridiculous. He's probably the tallest running back I've ever seen. Transitioning to receiver, probably a great idea for him. 
Yeah, and I think it's been a pretty good transition when you look at what he did at Baylor this year. They did hand him the ball once in a while, but he was truly a receiver and yeah. an effective possession guy that can play after the catch. So when you're talking about nobody ever really wins the weigh-ins, everybody just kind of often loses them. But I think he came in and actually wowed a lot of people with you know how big he is at wide receiver and how effective he is as an athlete. I remember at Tennessee he was listed as like a six foot four guy, and when he was a running right. back, and I thought, well, why are they six giving two. him the inch? Like he's probably six three. Why are they doing that? Well, he's every Legit. bit of six four, almost six foot five is why. Yeah, and we saw some other guys come measuring in who were not what they were listed at. Which here's a good one: Cam Smith, the linebacker from USC, listed at two fifty. Guys, he came in at two thirty. I want to know how he lost those twenty pounds from the time they listed him to now. For my own selfish reasons, but also like it shows. I think he's much more athletic, much more fluid, and that's one of the important parts of Senior Bowl that a lot of a lot of folks who've never been down here want to make fun of on Twitter of like, oh, what you guys just want to watch a hundred dudes in their underwear? No, I don't. Yeah, I mean, no. But I want to know how tall you are, and I want to know how long your arms are, and I want to know how you're built physically because there's a difference between like. Three guys can weigh 230 and all look very different. So how are you built? You can tell who's afraid of the weight room. Uh, Donald Parham has the skinniest legs I've ever seen. He's Tiny. six foot eight and he's Tiny. a tight end. And he looks like Foghorn Leghorn. Like there's a problem. Like the guy, do some squats, buddy. And maybe you can't when you're six eight. I don't know. But it, it is important to see that. And I, I think for Cam Smith coming in at 230 was a really big win. Like you said, hard to win the way in. He won the way in with that. Uh, next bit of news. Uh, speaking of interviews, I found this really interesting, guys. The Miami Dolphins, we all think they need a quarterback. Apparently, they do, too. Dan Marino is in here in Mobile. Our guy rode the elevator with him uh, up to the box. It was great. He's here specifically for one job, and that's to interview the quarterback. So I like that the Miami Dolphins, have uh, they're using him, right? He's a member of that front office. They're using him. And I also think like he's just trying to get back at John Elway for one of those Super Bowls. <laughs> like, oh, John Elway can't find a quarterback? Yeah, Watch him. Yeah. I will do it in the first yeah. year. And he Lace, might. Like, yeah. I would love to see that. Just let's bring that rivalry back of Marino oh, and Elway and both of them trying to Joe find Joe Montana a should get a team and just beat the shit out of him like he yeah. used to back He in would the just day. find, like, Tom Brady again and just be like, oh, I'm going to run this shit for, like, 20 yeah. years. You guys just wait until you get Terrell Davis to find you a quarterback. Yeah, or a great defense. And, and this felt like the day of the you know the quarterback demand really taking off, whether it was all eyes on guys in the North practice like Daniel Jones and Drew Locke. You look at them, everyone was, like you said earlier, Matt, scrutinizing each and every throw, whether it was good, whether it was bad. And then you have all these, you know, obviously GMs and coaches down here looking for one of these quarterbacks that will go in the first round. And if you listen to you know, the show from draft picks, the first one, the report, you know, we feel that four will go in the first yeah. round. So that's why there are so many people from front offices and from coaching staffs and attendance here with all eyes on them. Yeah. And I, I think uh, one, one note on those quarterbacks is you mentioned drew Locke. He came in measured nine inch hands and, uh, does that matter? Some people will tell you, yes, Jared Goff. People killed Jared Goff for having nine inch hands, while Carson Wentz had 10 inch hands. It was a, a big, big deal made of that. I was talking to Mahomes this morning, but I feel weird name dropping that, but he's been on the show. People know that. Humble brag. Yeah. And, and he was like, Do you really think it matters? I was like, Obviously not. You have nine and a quarter hands and you have no ball control issues. You have the strongest arm I've ever seen in my life. Baker Mayfield, just a little bit over nine inch hands. Uh, again, very strong arm, no ball control issues. But you can point to guys like Marcus Mariota, who has chronic fumbling issues and he has small hands. So I think there is some correlation. Like you can look at trends over the last 20 years. Most of the best quarterbacks have big hands. Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, like th these guys have gigantic hands and that really helps them not only group the ball for fumble situations or like we saw today at practice, wet ball situations, but also I remember Russell Wilson saying that that allows him to spin the ball better. So 
all the rotations you see on the ball from him and the velocity that we all love, the big hands do play a part in that. It's just it's so confirmation bias. Like whatever you thought yeah. coming into it, you're going to see a guy's hand size and be like, oh, that's why he had ball security exactly. issues. Or you're going to say, oh, he's got big hands. I always knew it. It's just it really it's probably a non-factor, almost like quarterback height is anymore. It's just it's irrelevant as the league progresses and goes forward. All right, Joe, we're down here at the Senior Bowl, 2019 Reese's Senior Bowl, and we know that you like, you like to hear us talk, but you're probably tired of it. So we brought in a guest, uh, a great guest for us, making some news, Coach Dan Holgerson. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're going to help you get some recruits with all the all the listens that you get here. Um, I, I think the obviously you're here supporting your guys uh, who were at West Virginia last year. I think there's a lot of questions about, like, to kick it off with Will Greer, who was your quarterback there. You brought him in from Florida. What What is it about Will Greer that like makes you think he can be successful in the NFL? Well, he's been successful everywhere he's been, you know, so that that's that's step one. I'm mean, talk about a pretty uh, exciting high school career. I don't know what his final record was, but I think he threw for, like, the fourth most yards in the history of, of high school football, won a lot of games, played for his dad, Chad, there at Davison Day in Charlotte. Uh, went to Florida, and, and every game he started there, he won, you know. So uh, things just didn't quite work out for him there. He needed to change the scenery, and, and uh, we were in the, car, uh, the the market for a quarterback. You know, I had uh, – he came up, and he sat 2016. Skyler Howard was our, our starter. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, uh, you know, sat that year, won 10 games that year with Skyler, and then, and then Will stepped in and – Knew we'd have a, a pretty good two-year run. So I, it's the same thing is going to happen. We've won a lot of games here the last few years at West Virginia. And when he goes into into the NFL, he's, he's going to be bringing a, a skill set that 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 just that caters to winning football games. So pretty excited about him. His, his skill set's good, but his intelligence is even better. And what's that process like? Like i got to ask about these transfer guys because it's, it's a hot topic right now. What's it like to go recruit a transfer guy as opposed to, like, a high school kid? It's a little different maybe. I would guess. Yeah, it is, and I tell you, we we uh, we changed our recruiting strategy about five years ago. You know, we weren't we weren't very good in 2012 or 2013, one of those two years when I first got to West Virginia. So went to the Big 12 and knew we had to do something different in order to be able to compete at that level. We've been taking probably 50 percent transfers for the last four or five wow. years. That's a large number, yeah. you know, and it's not just you know junior college transfers. They're some JUCO guys that you find late that are three for three, that makes a difference. This Trayvon Wesco that's playing for me out here in the senior bowl here right now, he was a three for three guy. Wasn't quite ready to play the first year, played a little bit more the second year, and then he's as good as you wanted him to be his senior year. So, uh, you know, four-year guys that need to sit, grad transfers, there's a reason to be able to bring those guys in that to fill some holes. You don't really want to get in the habit of taking too many of them. Uh, but when you can, when you feel like you're making a run, which we felt like we had a chance to make a championship run this year, we went out and got Kenny Bigelow and and Jabril Robinson, which uh, is grad transfers that help fill fill holes. So, is that a, is that a strategy you're going to take with you to Houston? now? I don't think so because I just think that that when you're at Houston, you're surrounded by so much talent in the city of Houston and and Louisiana as well. You know, let alone the other, the, the entire state of Texas. It's yeah. just it's a different situation because I, I view Houston. One of the reasons why I took the job is I, t- I viewed Houston as the as the destinational type place. The city of Houston is an awesome city. It's an incredible city, uh, and UH is all about the city. You know, and it's right smack dab in the middle of it. So, as many high school kids as we can get to stay home, great. 
uh, there will be an element to because there's so much transfers right now. If guys get away and they go to LSU or they go to UT or they go to Michigan or Ohio State or whatever, a lot of times those guys are going to want to come home. You know, right. so we'll be able to recruit a lot of kids that want to come home to Houston as well. So we know how to do the transfer thing. How much? I doubt fifty percent is the appropriate number at this point, but uh, transfers are happening, and it's not going to slow down anytime soon. Obviously, David Sills being here in Mobile is a big story, and you've coached at every level on offense of multiple staffs before being a head coach. But what was it like coaching a guy that was so determined to be a quarterback for so long and then made a really, really successful transition to the wide receiver position? Yeah, it, it was frustrating at first because <laughs> – like just one, go play receiver. One, quali- one quality you like to have in quarterbacks are guys that can like attempt and complete a forward pass. <laughs> <laughs> and he re- he really struggled with attempting to complete a forward pass. So I'm like, okay, look, we got kind of an issue here. Yeah, you know, you're. you're I don't care what Lane Kiffin said. Get that out of your mind. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't play receiver. Well, he, he's he was groomed to be a starting quarterback, and he has every quality every quality to be a starting quarterback other than throwing the thing so because he's tall he's good looking he's smart he's a coach's kid he understands it he processes it he's a leader he's athletic just can't throw the ball you know so i'm like you'd be a great receiver and he goes i can't i i can't get it out of my my mind i was like i i get that just then go play quarterback somewhere it ain't gonna happen here you always got a home here you know and so he went and he went to juco to play quarterback uh, won games. It just still didn't look very good, so nobody recruited him. I called him the night before signing day. Said you're ready to come home. And did you tell him like yes. come home, play receiver, yeah. or was it still? A, I'm going to give you a look. No, at quarterback. I got. I go. You got it out of your system. He goes, yes, <laughs> I do. I got it out of my system. I'm a. I'm a receiver. Those- and I said, look, come on, man. You can. And then after like this is a great story. After he was back for like two weeks. And, you know, I was, it was like two weeks into spring practice. I go, gosh, dang, David, you're probably even better than I thought you were. You might be the best receiver in the Big 12. He goes, nah, no, I'm going to be the best receiver in the country. So that was his mindset. He worked hard at it, and he got better. And he's going to continue to get better, too. I don't think he's tapped out at any point right now. I mean, the guy catches everything that's thrown around him. We've already seen him make some great catches around here today. What about uh, Gary Jennings, the other receiver? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about him and how he compares to David? Yeah, Robo Gary. He's, he's more robotic. Um, you know, he, he's, he's just he's a physical, impressively physical guy now. I mean, he's... You know, he's, he's got muscles sticking out everywhere, and it's, it's just straight line fast. Uh, it's not really as natural to him. He kind of fights it a little bit, but everything's just about strength, strength and speed. Uh, you don't think he's that fast because he's got so many muscles sticking out everywhere and all that, but he runs by people, you know, so he, and, and just incredibly strong hands, attacks the ball, uh, blocks well, is, is really a physical guy. I was I was – Excited to hear that he got into this game and that it happened real late. You know, he's disappointed he wasn't one of these guys in the game. And then here at the last minute, they took him and he'll, he'll turn some heads here this week. One of your guys got in early, and you mentioned him earlier, was Wesco, who we love fullbacks on this podcast, and that's kind of where they're using him. Is he a player that was like hard to fit into your offense where it's like he's, you know, he's almost like an H back, he can play all over, but he didn't really maybe get the targets that he might have at another school? Is that just somewhat schematic? Uh, I think he, nah, he ended up getting like. 40 catches or something like that that's that's a pretty healthy number for a tight end you know especially when you got you know david and gary out there yeah. out there as well there's only one of those balls you know right. so 
you know, we had four running backs we tried to get the the, the ball to as well. But uh, Wesco, his he's really the light just came on. He gained confidence. He got coached hard. Um, you know, it, it it made the offense the it made the offense harder to call because Jake, Jake Spavital called the offense for the last two years. Okay, and by using more tight ends and using more fullbacks, it makes it harder to call it. And so when Jake left to go be the head coach at Texas State, I took over play calling duties for the bowl game. And I figured out two things. It's harder to call when all those tight ends are in there because it's just hard. It's more verbal. It's more of an NFL style offense where it takes more verbiage to be able to get the thing called. And then two, I could I I couldn't read my play sheet anymore. <laughs> Over the last two years my eyesight's been gone. So I had to go to like the NFL Denny style menu yeah. because it was wordy. And then because I couldn't see anything either. Right. It's like some guys have like that get back coach. You had to have like a guy holding the play sheet a little bit further away from you so you could actually read it probably. <laughs> yeah. I just I didn't feel like I was ready for the world to see me with those Sean Payton glasses on you know. I gotta go see Sean and say ask find out how he does it with all these tight ends and pulling the glasses off and all that. He's a good offensive mind and oh, yeah. you, you talk about offensive minds. You also worked with Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, how do you think that transition is going to go for him jumping to the NFL? I think I think he'll have a ton of success. You know, I mean that's uh, you know it, it's it's a whole different animal than Big Twelve. You know, Texas Tech. I mean that that's it's hard to win in the Big Twelve. I can say this because I've been in it for the last seven years there. It's hard to win, man. So you know that was uh, challenging for him out there at Texas Tech. I thought they did a really good job offensively and. and you know, obviously had great offenses over the years and all that. So, uh, you know, it's, it, he's come a long ways in 10 years now. I mean, I called him 10 years ago in 2008 when I took the UH job as the offensive coordinator. I called Cliff and said, come on down to Houston. You might like it down here. Uh, see if you like this coaching thing. So he came down, moved in with me and was basically my GA for two years, you know, coaching coaching uh, Case Keenum, trying to figure out if that's what he wanted to do. I left, he took over, and then, boom, 10 years later, he's the head coach at the Arizona Cardinals, so good for him. I think the question everyone wants to know, though, do you know Sean McVay? Because, like, that's how you get jobs these days. So do, have you ever, like, stood next I, to him? Or I, don't, I don't know him. <laughs> I don't know him at all. I've, he's a West Coast guy, obviously. We've studied their stuff a lot, you know, with a lot of their squeeze alignments and their tight end stuff and things that they're doing with jet sweeps and stuff or things that we've been doing for years, but he's kind of put his own little spin yeah. on it, and we've, 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 gra- we've grabbed a lot of that and uses that as well. I mean, going back to Cliff, just one more here is when you're coaching a player, I mean, I know this is a while ago, but, like, is there something you could tell, like, hey, this guy's got more of a coach's brain, or you, can you see it right away back then? Or do you think it's something that's really developed over time? I, I just I think I think it stems from coaches' kids. Honestly, okay. Cliff was a coach's kid. Uh, Graham Harrell, after him, was a coach's kid, having success at North Texas. Uh, Case Keenum was a coach's kid. Case would be coaching right now if he wouldn't just keep winning games yeah. in the NFL. You know, I mean, he's that kind of guy. Um, Will Gurr is that guy. I mean, he's a coach's kid. He's just the the intelligence aspect of it. You can tell that it just makes more sense to them because they've been around it their whole life. And when you're explaining something to them, you can just see the understanding. You know, so all those guys have one thing in, in common. They've all grown up coaches' kids. Yeah, you well, know? the guy so, down here, Kyle Shanahan, has some advantages. Coaches' kid. Coaches' kid. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no doubt. You know, and so those, those are that's just a quality that you can't. You can't you can't develop that 
in a year or two. You know, you can't develop it in a four-year career. You know, it's just something that that my son's a coach's kid. He's a quarterback. He plays at UH now, and he's got that kind of brain. I don't know if he's a good player or not, but he's got that kind of brain where things just make sense because he's been around the office the entire time, and nothing surprises him, and they've seen every situation. So uh, they all they all they all have that in common. Let's get a couple more questions. I want to go back to Houston. Uh, a lot of people were kind of hating on you because you left a Power 5 conference and now you're going to join the American Conference. Was that something that weighed into your decision, getting out of the Big 12 and those Power 5s? No, not at all. I, I, I just I think it's a wonderful opportunity to be able to go build the program the way that we need to build the program. I, I'm surrounded by rock stars and leadership at, at the University of Houston. I know you can win games there. Everybody knows that. Uh, it's a destinational type place, so I wake up happy and I got a lot of friends. And you know, we uh, we're, we're going to recruit hard. They're giving me the support I need to be able to build the staff the way that I want to. Houston's been a revolving door, and that needs to stop. So, you know, I've, I spent eight great years at at West Virginia, and I'm proud of what we did. You know, left there the second winningest coach of all time. So. Uh, it's time for something new, and uh, you know that that's at Houston's. We're going to build it. I don't. Who knows? I don't know where college football is going to go in four or five years. I don't think anybody does. You know, so our job is just to position UH to be relevant. And if you're relevant, then you're going to have a chance to be able to be, be able to be in the conversation. Right, speaking of Houston, are you going to let players wear coats on the sideline, or is that is that out? <laughs> is that back on the table? Like, what's going to happen? I mean, I don't know why you I don't know why you would own coats in Houston. Right? That's, that's, that's the best answer. Yeah. yeah. Did you Did you call Ed Oliver and like, are you sure you want to declare, right, like, or maybe, maybe just come back one more he's year? Got another year. Yeah, I think that was predetermined before the year is gonna gonna start. Uh, great player, but there's there's gonna be more great players that want to do what he do what he did, and uh, stay home and, and play at, at at UH and play for the city. Yeah, and that was his thing, right? Loyalty to soil. soil. Yep. Yep. There's your hashtag that uh, all college coaches now have these yep. days. Well, it, it, look, and that that commitment needs to start for me now, and that that's why. You know they ain't getting rid of me anytime soon, right? And I'm not I'm not going to be on the market anytime soon either. So it's a long term deal. Like I said, there's just been too many coaches coming and going, not just head coaches, but assistant coaches and coordinators as well. So the staff that we got put together is going to be one that's going to stick around for a while. How hard is it? And I know like you've been there before, so you have some experience. Things have changed, but how hard is it to recruit in just in the state of Texas? There's enough talent there to win, like you said. But how hard is it? I mean, you're not only competing with all the in-state schools, but you're competing with LSU and Alabama and everywhere else in the country now. Yeah, it's there's plenty to go around though. I mean, there's Texas is the the, the best high school coaching in the country. It's the best high school players in the country, and it's extremely populated. So you gotta go far. I mean, we could we could literally put a. a a fence around the city of Houston and get enough. You know, we'd be able to national get, championship. Yeah, yeah. What we need. That so. was Tom Herman's idea too. Is kind of don't let these guys escape Houston, and it started to work out there before he did leave for UT. So yeah, and, and it's just like I said, but you gotta you gotta do that consistently, mm-hmm. and and it's gotta it's gotta be a situation where four and four or five years from now. That whole squad is built the way that we want to build this squad. You know, that's how that's how you position yourself to be relevant in college football, and that's what we're going to do. All right, we appreciate your time. Uh, our tailgate tour, we go to college stadiums. 
We're gonna have to make it to Houston, guys. I mean, that's no doubt. guaranteed. Yeah. We're Come to H Town. Come well, to H Town. Have a good time. It's a good time now. Come I, on, I would say that I, I'm rooting for you this year, but I'm a Texas fan, so I'm, I'm a liar if I tell you that. But I will say good luck this year. <laughs> we're not. We're not enemies. <laughs> yeah. We don't yeah, say. Yeah, we yeah, don't yeah, play. It's all right. <laughs> we so, do open up with Oklahoma. Oh, uh, I'm for you then. Yeah, yeah. Fully support you. Kick the shit out of them. I'm gonna be the biggest Houston fan that day. There you go. All right, thanks, coach. Appreciate it, guys. Guys, I want to talk about the biggest winners of the day. First, I'm going to uh, pat us on the back. We got Dana Hogerson on the Stick to Football podcast. Uh, that's a win. We're winners today. Win. All of us. We're winning. It's a win, winning. win, win. It's winning. a win for us. It's a win for him. It's a win for the Senior Bowl. Win for H Town. It's also a win for David Sills, who he literally said could not throw the football forward. <laughs> it's amazing. So I love Dana. Uh, so great to like have him come on the show. Uh, winners, though, guys, other than us and Dana Hogerson, I-, I think I'm going to start with Montez Sweat. It went viral a little bit. He just, like, put this poor man into the grave. But he also, like, I think it's important to note that he looked very athletic. And we've talked a lot about this edge class. He was so light and agile. And and you saw the the hip being able to dip and bend. We've talked so much about Bosa, Josh Allen, Cleland Furl. And I I think at times we've forgotten that Montez Sweat came here to compete. Like, this is a guy who's a first-round pick. He's a lock to be a first-round pick. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go to Mobile, and I'm going to try to prove myself. I think that speaks a lot to his mental makeup, his drive, his work ethic, and the fact that he maybe just loves football too. I'm with you there. It's really impressive when you're a guy like him where he does have something to gain being here, but not as much as a lot of these other guys that are maybe fringe third-rounders, fringe second-rounders, or just day three guys. So, uh, And he's looked good, obviously. He killed the weigh-ins. He did, had a really nice practice. Another guy for me here, Debo Samuel. I mean, good Lord. Even when he doesn't beat somebody, he's still catching the ball, tracking it over them. I think he just has so much dog in him. I think he's a good route runner. I think he has great hands. He plays special teams. He fields punts. I mean, this is one of those players where it's cliche and it's dumb, but he's a football player. He will do whatever you ask him to do. He'll go over the field to get the first down in the middle of the field. I just think he's going to win over a lot of people here, and this is someone that before his injury two years ago is, oh, Debo Samuel, he's probably a top 50 pick, then has to come back and get healthy and return for a senior season. And he's done things the right way. He's gotten healthy, had a good senior season. He's now at the senior bowl looking sharp. So his stock is fully back on the rise after practice number one. And I think we definitely have to put him up for the award of thicker than a bowl of oatmeal because that dude is like 5'11", 215. <laughs> right. And he can run. It's he can all do a lot of things. ass and thighs too. Like, I mean, he's – which is good. That's a good thing, by the way. Yeah, right, right. That's yeah. what you want out of a football player. He could be that like Tyreek Hill gimmicky kind of – put him in the backfield a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to be a Pro Bowl receiver, but they could use him in a similar role like we've seen with some of these other receivers in the past. So I like him, and I like that he showed that he can go vertical too, and he can tend for balls that he's only 5'11". we got a lot of lengthy corners out here, and it wasn't an issue, at least today. He has a little San, uh, Santonio Holmes to his game. Where oh, you yeah, look at him, yeah. like a smaller guy, but just tough, tough after the catch and yeah. you know, special teams. I sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, no, you. Yeah. I, I try to like hide my comps because like I don't want to just tweet player comparisons. My player comparison for him is Stephon Diggs. Right, like yeah. that's just who he is. I, I think he's faster than Diggs was, uh, but that type of player where like Melo said, he showed hey, he can go vertical. Who's your winner, Melo? For me, I'm going back to the well, man. Preseason QB one for me, Jared Jesus. Stidham. Here it goes. And, uh, yeah, people will probably hate on me, but I I did have him QB one going into the season, and I actually think he looked the best out of every quarterback here today. Super consistent, threw the ball with good power, threw it with accuracy downfield, looked 
very much like what I thought he was going to coming into this season. So maybe just that very shitty Auburn offensive line was the reason for a lot of his downplay this year. And I liked what I saw. I, I think he can be a quarterback that maybe gets talked about in the end of round one. Do you still see like a Derek Carr comparison for him? Yeah, probably do. I think he's more athletic, though. Like This is a guy that ran that spread option at Baylor and then went on and did it a little bit at Auburn. I think he's got a little sneaky athletic to him. So I, I like that comp, but I really like Jared Stidham. I think he can be a good thrower of the football in the NFL. I yeah, mean, I like th- yeah, the thrower of the football. The, the throwing in Jorts Award has to go to Stidham today. <laughs> I mean, you knew I wasn't going to hide it for too long, and it goes to Melo's guy. I mean, we came out here and saw Locke push the ball down the field a couple of times really nicely, and Jones yeah. hit a couple deep outs. But if you just want to look for consistency, biases aside, I mean, Stidham came out and made his throws. Even Greer's a guy with the arm has a lot of juice on it, but missed throws. And, yeah. and he Stidham had, did not. He had three of his guys here with him, a tight end right. and two receivers. And that's a big thing here. Day one, timing is going to be off for all of these. I don't care who you are and how well you throw the football. We saw Baker Mayfield even struggled last year on day one. You were getting to know a whole new group of receivers. You're throwing to guys like Andy Isabella, who's 5'8 and incredibly fast. And then you're going to turn around and throw it to a big tight end who's mainly playing H-back. So getting that timing, that consistency and routine here, you're going to see guys miss a lot of throws. Like Daniel Jones kind of struggled at times. But then he would also put a ball out 15 yards on the out route just perfectly timed. So it's going to be a learning process for I, everyone. I have so many things I want to say off what you just said. Uh, I'm going to go here first. I think that's why it's so important for people to not evaluate one play. Yeah. And I mean, we've all fallen trapped to it, right? It, it's There's so much going on. It can be hard to do. But you can't evaluate one throw from a quarterback because who knows? Like, it could be – we don't know the, the, it could, the route could be bad. You know, there are so many different factors that go into it. So trying to evaluate one throw. And I want to piggyback off that and say, like, we should be giving David Sills maybe more credit than we have on this podcast. He caught the ball so well today. And he's just, I mean, I, I made a joke at one point. I was like, man, he looks like Cooper Cup did here. Where he just catches everything. And he's not that fast. But he's great right. length. It, football smart from the quarterback background, obviously. And Coach's kid. Coach's kid, man. And, like, <laughs> He could be a, a round three type receiver that is an instant impact player. Like, man, mm-hmm. he's probably going to the Patriots, but like, right? Like, he could fit so many offenses to be just a, a stud playmaker. Putting the ball over his shoulder on a fade route, I don't know that he misses that ball. Like, he did it so many times today, just right over his shoulder, catching the ball in traffic. You're right, he doesn't separate, but damn, just get it to him and he's going to grab it. If Very I, consistent. If I bet you $500, that's steep. Andy Isabella and David Sills to the Patriots or the field or to the 31 other teams? Like, would one of them land one on the them? Patriots? $500. I mean, is this real money? Yeah, or is I, this, I mean, I don't have $500 to bet. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'll bet $500 of your money that, uh, yeah, I'm sure, I think money. one of them ends up with the Patriots. They're just... Why wouldn't they? Take can we throw? Can I parlay Hunter Renfro into this? Ooh, too? Yes. That's the only way I'm down with real money. Uh, yeah. Or the Saints. They will go to one of those two teams. Absolutely. I mean, we talk so much about the wide receivers, too. And, and I know collectively as a group in the stick to football press box, day, we talked about the corners on the North team, yep. too. Or not just the corners, the DBs, whether right. it was your guy. You know, you guys know Chris Boyd very, very well being Texas fans or Nasir Adderley out of Delaware. I think those guys moved well. They looked good in pads. How about Lonnie Johnson? Lonnie Johnson, I, just, I mean. I want to say Amani Awarie. Nailed it. Had a pretty Show good off. day. Nailed I just it. want to say he did, He just wanted to say the name. I mean, we <laughs> saw the average day. We were picking up our credentials and saw Lonnie Johnson Jr. He looks like a small forward. 
not yeah. a cornerback, a true 6-3 arms down to the ground. So a pretty solid day for the defensive backs and what's not an easy task going one-on-one. Yeah, I just pulled a move where we were standing and I pulled a chair and I sat down yeah. while you guys were and talking. He, before we set up, he's always like, we'll just stand. Everything will be fine. My feet are starting to hurt a little bit. Right now my hips hurt. Yeah, I feel like an old like dancing around, I swear, like, This is chair. not an ad. Like this is not. I got a new pair of shoes and they saved my life like the last week because I've been standing on football fields watching practice. Thank God. I'm it's not going to name the shoes. It's a rough life. No, it's actually like it is hard on like your hips and I have bad knees. Matt loves his new shape-ups from Sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and me and Joe Montana. Yeah, they're actually called Adams. They're like some new shoe company. So, And I paid for them. They weren't free. That's not an ad. Uh, our guy, Kalen Saunders, is someone that you and I, Connor, months ago talked to Jim Nagy, the director here. He was excited for Very. him to get down here. And then he like kind of went viral because of the backflip video. Then he kind of went viral today because this is a crazy freaking story. I said freaking. What happened? My church. Uh, his <laughs> fiance went into labor, so he calls and they make the decision. He's going to stay here. She's going to have the baby. His agent Kyle McCarthy is a good friend of ours, and I try to get Kyle to let me break the news about the baby, but he's not answering my text now. So uh, a baby will probably be here by the time you guys listen to this. But you know what? With all that distraction going on, he had a very good day of practice today. Like he won. I, I thought some of the eleven on eleven se- sessions. Yeah, I mean, he's he's quick. He's powerful. The hand use is not what you expect from a small school guy. So props to him for being able to kind of block out the noise a little bit and come down here and, like, still have a great, great day of practice. And you're a scout's dream if you are all football to the point where you're like, you know what, I'll watch uh, the fir- the birth of my first child on FaceTime right? I'm here Man, for practice. And as guys sitting here that have four children, I'm on board with it. Like, oh, yeah. The birth oh. of your child is it's great. But you know what else is great? A couple million dollars in the NFL. To come here and <laughs> prove it. what you can do, this is your shot, man. Every, all 32 teams are here right now. The birth of your child, I think a boy or girl is going to be very happy with the fact that daddy's going to go make some money. And you're set up for life. So what? He wasn't there on the first day that you can't even fucking remember. Yeah, now anyway. you're wearing Gucci to school, all right? So <laughs> Yeah, Balenciaga's on in the crib. Like, you're fine. Man, yeah, I mean, I... I my daughter was a C-section, so like, I, and I was a child, so I was traumatized by it and blocked out the memory of it. But like, my son being born was one of the coolest moments of my life. But I also think that he would like to go to UT and not have to take out student loans when he's 18 years old. So, uh, yeah. yeah you, you win some, lose some. And I, I think he made the right decision. It sucks. I wish that he could have been there for it, but I, I do agree with him, and I think he made the right choice. All right, even though we're not at draft picks, we're still going to answer all your draft on draft questions after the first day of Senior Bowl practices. So first one here from Caleb Reyes. You get to make one day three pick for your favorite franchise. Who do you take? Any player you have slotted to go on day three right now. Caleb says his would be, as a Pats fan, to take Gardner Minshew. Oh, really? On day three? Yeah. Didn't you have uh, Gardner Minshew Sr.? What was his name? The quarterback last year. Luke Falk? Luke Falk. They're the same guy. Yeah. Didn't you like Gardner him to the Pats? Senior. I did like him to the Pats, yeah. <laughs> Senor. Uh, Day three, that makes it. Okay, I'll go. You keep thinking. Oh, no, I like it, Thank though. Uh, because I don't hard. have a favorite NFL team, but I have a favorite college team. Uh, I would love to see Chris Boyd go to the Chiefs. They oh, need yeah. a corner with some lengthy arms and some good feet. And if they can get him day three, which I think that's where he'll go, 
I think he could come in and be an instant player for them. Maybe not a starter. Well, for the Chiefs, yes, probably a starter. Yeah, really I think he's be. probably better than any option they have right there except for Fuller. I love that Melo's like, I don't have a favorite NFL team. Sunday night during that Chiefs game, he going, was going oh. ham about shit. Like, I, maybe he just hates the Patriots, but Melo's a Chiefs fan. Like, it's just one of us. He was wearing a Chiefs hoodie yesterday. Like, he's a Chiefs fan. It's. it's it's trending that way in that direction, and I'm I'm fully accepting the fact that I jumped on a bandwagon. I don't care. Just watching Pat Mahomes throw the football is is the best thing I've ever if, seen. And if they get an, I mean, they're traditionally a strong Texas team. Jamal Charles, Derek Johnson were there. Priest Holmes was there before that. So maybe they'll pick up Charles and Minihu in day three. Yeah, I don't think he'll be go there back in day to that three. Question. Uh, so mine would be. Uh, I, I'm a, I guess I'm a 49ers fan. I don't know anymore. I, I am. Right now you are. Yeah. I want Andy Isabella for the Niners. Like him and Kyle <laughs> Shanahan's offense, just pant changer. Like that's amazing. Like his speed in Kyle's scheme with all well, that Marquise space. Marquise Goodwin. Like, yeah. I mean, the, it would be amazing. With my guy George Kittle there opening stuff up over the middle, Andy Isabella would catch – 800 balls for like four yards. It'd be, It'd be like my Chiefs offense. It really would be. I, I'm going to keep the spirit of the senior bowl here. And for the Jets out of the day three guys, I mean, if Jermaine Curse walks in for agency, which he will, I'm going to go with Penny Hart here. I mean, he's another guy, same size as Andy Isabella, 5'8", 175, yeah. 180, but just lightning quickness. Can be a punt returner for the future, but a guy that once again can work the middle of the field. I thought he separated really well today. Some have a drop, but it's day one, whatever. I mean, I just thought when you talk about traits and being explosive and quick, I thought Penny Hart was one of those guys that jumped out to me. Yeah, I would also um, not a Chiefs fan. I don't. Th- I mean, I was rooting for them because all our friends are Chiefs fans. I love Patty as well. But you're a closet Pats I, fan. That's true. Yeah. I wasn't Sunday night. I rooted for the Chiefs. Um, if I could add one guy for the Chiefs, because I know we have a big following there. Day three, I want Trevon Wesco, West Virginia. Like I, I actually think they need another target as yep. a move tight end a little bit. Yep. I, I, and like that offense is so explosive. They have bigger needs elsewhere. I get it. But Especially day three in a deep tight end class, you're gonna get yeah. some good tight ends in day three. And he did look very good. And he caught Dana said. At 40 balls last year at West Virginia. You don't do that at tight end unless you can go get the ball. All right, Deepouch50 on Instagram is wondering, he says, as a Bears fan, with the rumors about them possibly being interested in Kareem Hunt, what could the Bears expect back in return if they traded Jordan Howard? Not much. I, he's two years, third round probably. I don't I don't think you would get more than a fourth or fifth. Really? Really? Like, I mean, he's a running back. Who doesn't catch the ball well. Right. Leagues training, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, as a Jets fan, would you? What would you give up for Jordan Hunt? I mean, I wouldn't give up any picks because the Jets have five picks, and right. I, I think I would just pay either Tevin Coleman or Le'Veon Bell with Elijah McGuire and Isaiah Crowell. Yeah, be fine. Yeah, just, I mean, you're in a position where you, if you're, Mike you know, McCagney, as you a Chiefs picks. fan, would you? I mean, as a Chiefs fan, would you want Jordan Howard to replace Kareem Hunt, Mello? Uh on the field, yeah. yeah. <laughs> On the field, yeah. I think he's an exceptional running back and fits right in there with what Nagy wants to do. Off the field, too. But that off the field comes with it, and I'm not going to tie my name to him. Uh, fuck that guy. No, yeah, out of no the way. way. Exactly. I mean, you did, I don't think. And to be fair, you know, Deep Pouch did say in the question, he said, as much as there's rumors about it, he goes, the Bears traditionally stay away from guys with off-field problems. <laughs> yeah. Kareem Hunt is the guy with off-field problems in this offseason. And, and, like, for real, people are just doing this because Matt Nagy's there. It's the same thing, same people that thought the Bills were going to take Ryan Nassib in the first round because Doug Marone was there. Like, let's be real. It's, I, it's not that simple. I think Kareem Hunt does come back next year, but I think he's going to be looking at a very long 12 suspension. games, probably? Maybe, I mean, maybe even an entire year. 
look at what Mike Vick got. Do you get time served in the NFL? I mean, I don't want to say that what he did was not as serious, but one hit a human being, one hit a dog. Yeah. I know he did more, but he, he got, got a more. year. Right. So what what kind of standard are you going to set for these guys going forward? Because this is not the last domestic violence thing we're going to see in the NFL. What are you going to set as a precedent out of, okay, you can come back, but you're going to have to miss so many games. I think Roger Goodell is going to come down on him hard. I think he's going to be looking at 12 to 16 games. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. Johnny Blesskasic says, what are your thoughts on Andy Isabella as a draft prospect, and where do you think he gets picked? I just told Obviously, you. Guy <laughs> told we talked you. about a lot. He's so popular here. He really he's is. He's so fast. I, he's the fastest player here. And honestly, we, we've talked about it in the box here tonight a lot, is you have to do something to stand out, wear something different. Baker Mayfield wore, like, the visor last year. Josh Allen had the orange cleats. Andy Isabella is tiny out there, and you can notice it. Like, yeah. oh, there he is. Like, Nasir Adderley's got the towel. Right, incredibly quick kid running around there. He looks very good, not very big. Okay, wait, can I just yep. admit, real quick, just for brand purposes, guys, we please call it the, the box, or not the box, the suite. The suite. Like, anyone can get into a press box. We have a suite. Like, <laughs> and it's it, a bigger it deal. Sweet. It's, it's bigger technically deal. got a fridge, yeah. which makes it a suite. Yeah, we have Doritos. It's a suite. <laughs> This one, <laughs> this one from Wyatt. You guys have discussed how free agency will have a huge effect on where teams like the Jets go position-wise with the third overall pick. Is there any chance Arizona or San Francisco lands a big-name edge in free agency and puts into question whether or not Bosa even goes top two? Yes. Do you think the See, edge think guys in free good. agency, yeah, do you think that I, you're, like, you're right. going to pass that up and be like, I mean, it's oh, possible. no, I could maybe get D Ford, who's going to get franchise tagged? Or Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence is getting a franchise set, or Dexter Lawrence, right? Yeah, yeah. Tank Lawrence is getting it. So yeah. you're, I think you're going to go with a guy like Bosa, who you can lock up for five years, and he's not going to be on. I don't think as big of a contract as maybe those guys are going right. to get. Well, it's it's friendlier because your guarantees are are not as high and stuff in free agency. I man, anything's possible. I can't see the Cardinals like signing an edge because they already have so much money wrapped up in Chandler Jones. Like, would you sign another? It just seems. It, it seems like something they wouldn't do. Uh, it seems like like the Jets could sign an edge guy. I think that's maybe more likely. go somewhere else. I don't know about the Cardinals or even the 49ers doing it. It's just this draft has two premier guys. So how does Nick Bosa escape the top three? You know what I mean? That's my biggest issue with you, it. You think it only has two premier guys? Quentin Williams, Nick Bosa, Josh Allen. You know I love Ooh, Josh Allen's yeah, premier though. I, I think know. yeah, I think it's a three player class. Yeah, I would put Josh Allen in there. Okay. I really would. Four player class, Josh Quentin, Jacobs. What about Quentin Williams? Yeah, I would go Bosa. Matt, Matt loves everyone. <laughs> He's just, yeah, I generally don't, which is weird. Okay, there I, are thirty two <laughs> premier players. <laughs> no, it's not really. Like, I would say Bosa is a Bosa and Quentin are like blue chip. They're up there. Then I, maybe a small drop off, and I would put Josh Allen in there, Devin White in there, and I would put Josh Jacobs in there. Number yeah. five of my. You do board. love Trent Richardson. I mean, Josh Jacobs. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> All right, so a, a kind of a you know interesting play off the last question. This one from Coach Steers. With the amount of depth at the pass rusher position in this year's draft, does it make sense for teams to trade back and grab multiple instead of just one up front, leaving with Sweat and Ferguson instead of Josh Allen as an example? That's a really interesting question. I, I mean, it is interesting, like especially for a team like your Jets, where you need two pass need rushers, to. right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you try to trade back? I think like. I love trade scenarios, but like remember, it takes two to tango, right? You need a team that's willing to come up for that. So, sure, I would love to see the Jets walk out uh, April 26th with Montez Sweat and Jalen Ferguson. I would love to see the Niners do that and walk out with O'Shane Zimenez and Jalen Ferguson. You know, like find that pairing. But it's just 
it, like we were just saying, it's yeah. a two or three yeah, or four. Well, who are you going to trade up for at number three? Like maybe Jonah Williams, Haskins. Yeah, I don't think Jonah Williams goes top ten. No, I mean he's very good, but he is slipping. I don't know that yeah. he can be talked about in that range anymore. But, I mean, yeah, you would trade up for a quarterback. That's the only thing you trade up for, unless you're the Saints and they're on drugs. So. And even then, you're only moving back like seven spots. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's it'll be interesting, like. Like the question said, we always talk about free agency is going to set the table. There are some good edges hitting the market this year. There, there are some running backs hitting the market this year. That's really going to affect things. You know what? Where do we see Joe Flacco land? Where you know Teddy if, Bridgewater? Teddy Bridgewater. Some of these guys who are going to be on the Ryan Nick, Tannehill, Nick Foles, like the mellow. That, <laughs> that that actually will dictate a lot. We've talked about oh well, we'll see three quarterbacks go top ten. That's what we're hearing, right? And we keep hearing it over and over. But what if the Jags get Nick Foles? What if, uh, you know, what if Ryan Tannehill... Bad teammate yeah, Carson right. Wentz. Right, bad teammate right. Carson Wentz gets <laughs> traded. Or, you know, like, what if Joe Flacco goes to the Dolphins? You know, I mean, those type of things will have a huge effect on the draft. And all these trade scenarios that seem very plausible right now, if, like, Washington's going to trade up, Miami's going to trade up, the Jags going to trade up. They're not if they sign guys in free agency. Like, they're just, they're absolutely not going to that way. God, Ryan Tannehill to the Redskins, like, almost makes sense. They're that incompetent. But they would be like, yeah. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll take him on. I mean, he is kind of like Alex Smith, just worse. So it's not the craziest thing I've ever heard of. Mello's like, oh, God, would you start? All right, fellas, that's our show. Uh, we will be back tomorrow morning because we have a show coming up for you every day this week. It's insanity. We will be there Wednesday night, Draft Picks Tap Room, 730. Come hang out. You get to ask the draft on draft questions. We answer them. I think our listeners had one hell of a time. <laughs> Maybe too much. And <laughs> <laughs> draft picks. Like, I. I think one guy might have had like the time of his life, like his best night ever. But they don't kick you out. They, you could, they, they let you sleep not. on the on, bar. Yeah, which is very nice of them. In your free stick to football T-shirt. It's like a, a <laughs> club six oh nine in Mobile. Like is like oh you could fall asleep on the bar here. It's cool. Be nice. What did their uh, they have water cups? Like if you get if you get a, if you drink a little too much, they'll give you a water cup and it says like I got fucked up at draft picks or something. Is yeah, that I got says? like too drunk. I at got draft too picks. drunk. Of it. Not me. I was fine. I could have driven. Uh, for, for the rest of the crew, <laughs> that's an inside joke. I could not have. Uh, we <laughs> safely got to Waffle House <laughs> via Uber. Yeah, with Jeff. Jeff Collins should have been there with us at Waffle House. That is our show for the whole crew uh, coming to you from the BR suite. We've had a blast. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow morning. Hopefully my voice holds up. You hear this? It's starting to go. We're going to replace Wheels you with Dana Holgerson. Yeah, me and Dana. <laughs> same guy.